Sup, you beautiful bastards. Hope you're having a fantastic Thursday. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. And actually, some quick notes before we get started. One, we learned some things yesterday. Turns out if I threaten to throat punch you at the beginning of the video, if you do not hit that like button, three times as many of you will actually hit it. Also, it turns out a good number of you want me to throat punch you, which is information I don't know what to do with. But I guess main point, thank you. I love your face. Hit that like button or I'll throat punch you. Then two, there is a scheduling change that I wanted to announce. Moving forward for the time being, we're gonna be putting a hold on Friday Philip DeFranco shows. But as of next week, we're jumping from two to three extra morning deep dives every week. Those have gone up every Tuesday and Thursday morning. That will now be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Very quickly regarding the Friday change, I see this as a short to medium term change just by getting myself out of this room that I locked myself in all day, which by the way, I love doing the show. But yeah, just freeing myself one day a week has allowed us to accomplish so much more. And a part of that, along with the uh, more deep dives we've been launching, the launch of roguerocket.com, the new social videos that we've been doing and developing even further, is also getting the time to develop new and interesting to me shows on this channel and elsewhere. But yeah, there's that. But for Thursday, let's just jump into it. And the first thing we're gonna talk about today is the surprise news that Facebook and Instagram are banning a number of users today. And those bans reportedly included Alex Jones, Infowars, Milo Yiannopoulos, Paul Joseph Watson, Laura Loomer, Paul Nealon, and Nation of Islam leader, Louis Farrakhan. And this was reportedly done under the company's policies against dangerous individuals and organizations. Also of note here, not all the bans were the same. For example, Alex Jones and Infowars had previously been banned from Facebook, but he was still on Instagram, but as of today, that's no longer the case. Also, according to The Atlantic, a company spokesperson for Facebook said that Infowars is being hit with the strictest of bans. The Atlantic writing, according to a company spokesperson, any account that shares Infowars content will see the content removed. Adding, if an account violates terms on multiple occasions, it will be banned. Continuing, Facebook and Instagram will remove any content containing Infowars videos, radio segments, or articles, and Facebook will remove any group set up to share Infowars content and events promoting any of the banned extremist figures. And as far as the ban on the individuals, they reportedly are all personally banned as are any accounts set up in their likenesses. But unlike Infowars content, users may still praise those figures on Instagram or share content related to them that doesn't violate other Instagram and Facebook terms of service. And like I said, I was finishing up today's show when this broke, so this is still developing in a weird way. Right, this news broke, it popped up everywhere, but some of the people who are said to be banned by this move we're still up. And according to Taylor Lorenz, one of the people that wrote one of these articles, the embargo lifted literally minutes ago and they're taking them down as we speak, which is a weird, confusing order to do things. And you know, with this, I mean, it makes me wonder uh, how long ago was this decision made? Uh, when did the media learn of it? The trail of this story is also weird because it also appears that initially Farrakhan was being labeled a far-right leader by some outlets, including the Washington Post, who I will say of note have since issued a correction deleting that initial tweet. But also as of recording this video, you still have places like Politico still seeming to call him far-right. I don't know, but like I said, this situation is still developing. It seems to be happening in a sloppy manner, and I pass a question off to you. What are your thoughts regarding all of this? And then let's talk about a controversy that puts me in a weird place, but if I didn't talk about it, I, I, I wouldn't be able to respect myself. So we talked about the CEO of YouTube, Susan Wojcicki, yesterday because she put out this very large blog post. She's been meeting with creators. Part of that post and a lot of the messaging is being very creator-focused. One of the notes she hit on was YouTube promoting real YouTubers. Writing, going forward, our goal is to have at least half the videos on trending come from YouTubers, with the remainder coming from music and traditional media, something we're close to already but we'll expand on. Adding, and we'll continue to ramp up our Creator on the Rise and Gaming Creator on the Rise initiative. But there was controversy that was sparked yesterday because there was a video of Susan talking to an artist by the name of Juice World, where she says, and I'll, I'll quote it rather than including the actual clip because I do not want to get hit for, for copyright or just any weird thing, and I'll touch on why in a second. She says, quote, I know, how can we help you? You're so talented. We got to get your subscriber numbers way up. We're going to make it happen, all right? We're here. We're here for you. However we can, you have no idea. She then says, if I, and she ends up getting interrupted. And like I said, this video popped up and it started getting 
gaining a lot of traction on social media. Specifically, I found it from Justin Huang, but the video itself is from a channel called No Jumper, which if you're not familiar, is owned by Adam22. What made it exceptionally odd was that when you went to the video where this clip came from, when you look at the comment section of where people were posting the time code of where Susan popped up, the clip was no longer there. It looked to have been removed after the fact, which I think to a number of people makes it weirder and more concerning because I saw that initial clip and I was like, okay, well that's the CEO of YouTube kind of just schmoozing with a celebrity. Right? Even in Susan's blog post, she talked about, you know, half of trending being music and traditional media. And, you know, part of YouTube's 10 year quest for validation has involved celebrities, musicians, actors, whoever. So maybe it's just kind of generalized schmoozing and blowing smoke, or maybe they would put him in a creator on the rise. It could be something else. I mean, I've seen a lot of people having an incredibly negative reaction to this. I don't personally think that this is evidence that Susan or one of her underlings are doing something shady. Right, for all we know, this could be the beginning of a conversation of, yeah, we'd love to do like a big YouTube live stream event of one of your blah, blah, blah. Right, you have some people saying that this proves that she's anti-small or organic creator. I personally don't believe that's what it shows. And I mean, even looking once again to the blog post, I think uh, a lot of it touches on the, the duality that comes with the job, trying to foster support and potentially growth in both the mainstream and the organic. But, you know, that's of course my personal takeaway. That's the story. And of course I pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts around all of this? And then let's talk about a story that people will definitely not have very passionate feelings about. And for those that are bad at social cues, that was sarcasm. Yesterday, the Court of Arbitration for Sports, CAS, which is the highest court in international sports, ruled that discrimination against female track athletes with naturally high levels of testosterone is necessary to protect other female competitors. And the court's decision here upholds a regulation that was put into place by the IAAF, which is the International Association of Athletics Federation. They're the governing body for track and field, and that regulation requires that female runners who have certain levels of testosterone to use hormone suppressants to lower their levels. And if those runners don't, they will not be allowed to compete in certain races at major competitions like the Olympics. And as far as who brought this case to the CAS, it was South African track star and two-time Olympic gold medalist Castor Simi she asked the court to overturn the rule. And Semenya, for those who don't know, is a woman who is naturally occurring high levels of testosterone and the IAAF regulations would force her to suppress her hormones in order to compete in her main event, which is the 800 meter. And the IAAF has said that these regulations are necessary to even the playing field, arguing that athletes with differences of sexual development, DSD, have an unfair advantage. With the IAAF saying this is particularly true for women who have high testosterone levels who run in women's events ranging from the 400 meter to the mile because those races can be won by a hundredth of a second. And adding that this is because women with higher levels of of testosterone have more muscle mass, strength, and higher oxygen carrying capacity. What was really fascinating is despite the fact that CAS found that these regulations were discriminatory, they still ruled in favor of it. In a two to one decision, CAS decided that, quote, such discrimination is a necessary, reasonable, and proportionate means of achieving the legitimate objective of ensuring fair competition in female athletics in certain events and protecting the, quote, protected class of female athletes in those events. However, the court did express serious concerns about the practical application of testosterone limits, such as athletes struggling to maintain their required hormone levels even with the suppressants. Also the fact that it may be impossible for some athletes to comply because of the side effects caused by the suppressants. CAS was also concerned about a lack of evidence that DSD runners really do have a significant advantage at long distance races like the 1500 meter and the mile. And so regarding that, the court asked the IAAF to consider not applying that rule to those specific races until they have more evidence. Now of note, while the court's decision certainly comes as a blow to Semenya, this is also not the first time that she's had to deal with this kind of problem. Back in 2009, Semenya won a gold medal in the 800 meter at the World Track and Field Championship when she was only 18, but her win raised questions about her gender, which then promoted the IAAF to subject her to a gender verification process, resulting in the IAAF deeming her ineligible to compete for 11 months. And of note here, the IAAF's handling of the situation
situation was widely criticized, with South African officials and others saying that the tests were racist and sexist. And Semenya, for her part here, has always said that she is a woman and that she should be able to compete in women's events without suppressants or body-altering measures. In a magazine interview in 2009, Semenya said, God made me the way I am and I accept myself. I am who I am and I'm proud of myself. Then in 2011, the IAAF adopted new regulations regarding eligibility for DSD women. And while that move didn't seem to impact Semenya, who went on to win her first Olympic gold medal in 2012, the rule did disproportionately affect other women, prompting CAS to overrule the regulation in 2015 after a female Indian sprinter who had been indefinitely banned brought it to the court. Following that decision, Semenya then went on to win gold again at the 2016 Olympics. And that win really seemed to piss off the president of the IAAF, who then said they would challenge CAS's ruling. And that ultimately led to the IAAF introducing new, more restrictive regulations in 2018, which brings us all the way back around because those are the same regulations that Semenya brought to the court. Which, regarding the court's decision, we saw Semenya respond with a statement that was released to news outlets, writing, I know the IAAF's regulations have always targeted me specifically. For a decade, the IAAF has tried to slow me down, but this has actually made me stronger. The decision of the CAS will not hold me back. I will once again rise above and continue to inspire young women and athletes in South Africa and around the world. We also saw the South African Sports Confederation and Olympic Committee criticize the decision, telling the AP, we maintain that the rules are ill-thought and will be a source of distress for the targeted female athletes. And the official Twitter account for the government of South Africa quoted the former Minister of Tourism in a tweet who said, you remain our golden girl, Castor Semenya. What you have done for our people and girls is enormous. You have flown our flag high. You have united a nation and inspired a rural girl. And we also saw the World's Medical Association calling on doctors all over the world to not implement the rule, with the association's president saying, we have strong reservations about the ethical validity of these regulations. They are based on weak evidence from a single study, which is currently being widely debated by the scientific community. But on the other side of this, we also saw the IAAF celebrating their win, writing a statement saying the IAAF is grateful to the Court of Arbitration for Sport for its detailed and prompt response to the challenge made to its eligibility regulations for the female classification for athletes with differences of sex development. And it wasn't just the organization, we also saw support from some female runners. Female runners like Paula Radcliffe, the world record holder in the women's marathon. She reportedly said she respected CAS's decision for ruling that women's sport needs rules to protect it, but that's what happened, those are the reactions, what happens now? Well, Semenya will have the opportunity to appeal the case to Switzerland's Supreme Court, which has jurisdiction because CAS is based in Switzerland. And Athletic South Africa has said they're already looking into this option and even said, South Africa knows discrimination better and CAS has seen it fit to open the wounds of apartheid, a system of discrimination condemned by the whole world as a crime against humanity. But as far as what the Supreme Court will do, it, it might not be the most promising for Semenya. Historically, the Supreme Court there doesn't often overturn decisions from CAS. And so as of right now, if Semenya wants to defend her title at the World Championships in September, she's going to have to take hormone suppressants. But that is where we are now. That's the story, the reactions, and I pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts on this? And then let's talk about this tragic shooting that happened at the University of North Carolina in Charlotte this week, and the stories that have now started to emerge about one of the heroes involved. But around this, yes, if you did not hear, our gunman went to UNCC's campus on Tuesday, killing two people and injuring four others. And as we often try to do with these stories, we're, we're not gonna show the shooter's face, the name, the, the, the monster gets no infamy from us. And rather instead, what I wanted to do today was focus on Riley Howell, one of the students who unfortunately died. And the reason for that is because Howell is being hailed as a hero for allegedly running towards the gunman and knocking him off his feet. And police claim that this shooting could have been much, much worse if he didn't do this. With Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Chief Kerr Putney specifically saying this. But for his work, the assailant may not have been disarmed. Unfortunately, he gave his life in the process but his sacrifice saved lives. An officer said that Hal not only threw the gunman off when he tackled him, but he also bought responders time to get to the scene. And Hal's family said that they weren't surprised by their son doing this, telling NBC that he was just this kind of person. He put others before himself. Yeah. 
He always has. Saved a whole room of people just to make sure some people got out there alive. Everybody ran and Riley chased. We are just beyond proud of what of what he was able to do. This family also giving a statement saying that Riley has been their hero for a long time and now they share him with so many others. And also what we're seeing in the aftermath of this just horrible, needless tragedy. Our students on UNCC's campus coming together. We saw the students holding a vigil, the school's chancellor, Philip Dubois, giving a statement saying, UNC Charlotte cannot and will not be defined by this tragedy. Instead, we will be defined by how we respond to it. And we've seen a number of students on campus speaking out about the school's response, noting that in this time of grieving, the campus is leaning on one another. We're Charlotte strong. I mean, just look at this vigil tonight, how much we've come together. And so that's right now what I want to focus on with this senseless tragedy. Resilience and people coming together in the face of tragedy, and also focusing on and praising the person that, in the midst of unthinkable horror and unthinkable violence, did unthinkable good. Right, we think of the Riley Howells of the world that put others before themselves, not only in just general, but in a life or death situation. And so that's where I'm gonna leave this one. And that's where I'm going to end today's show. And remember, if you like this video, you wanna support the channel, just take a quick second and hit that like button. Also, if you're new here and you wanna make sure you don't miss the seven videos we put out each week, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Also, if you're not 100% filled in, maybe you missed and you wanna catch up on the last two videos we put out, you can click or tap right there, or you can go to roguerocket.com where you can catch those and read up on articles and stories that we didn't cover in today's show. But with that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces, and I'll see you Monday.